So I'd like to go ahead and welcome everyone this evening to our latest installment of Update at 8. So good evening, everyone, and welcome. We're so happy to have you. I think this is our second official installment, and we um, this is a spinoff, as you know, Update at 8 is a subset of our virtual lead program. And this is what we have done to pivot and make sure that everybody is well aware of what's going on at the Capitol from week to week. I'd like to introduce my co-host for the evening, Dr. Desiree Clement. Good evening, welcome. Glad so many yeah. could join us. Yes, Dr. Clement is, a co is the co-director of the Coalition of Advanced Practice Registered Nurses, of which I am her co-director. -co We're the co-directors. <clears throat> and so Updated 8 is meant to give you an overview of all things that are happening with advocacy, policy, and legislation under the Gold Dome from week to week to week. We will also be giving you tips on how to engage in advocacy for the upcoming week. And sometimes you may get an assignment. And so as we wait for our amazing lobbyist, Ms. Juliana McConnell, we just wanna give you an overview of what we will be doing this evening. We're very pleased that this evening we have as our featured guest, Representative Mary Margaret Oliver. And not to take the winds out of her sails, we would like to congratulate Representative Oliver, and we're so excited to have her on. She has been appointed to the MARTOC Committee, which is the committee that oversees MARTA, the MARTOC Committee. And so we're looking forward to hearing remarks from her. Dr. Clement, would you like to share any remarks? of anything spectacular that has happened this week and what we can look forward to this evening. Turn your sound on Dr. Clement. Sorry. Um, we will have Juliana coming on shortly to um, give a little lead update, but we also are gonna have, like you said, um, our representative joining us shortly. Uh, we've got a couple of things that we're working on. Um, we're gonna be focusing on some legislation to uh, look at the workforce data survey um, that's gonna be so important. Um, we've got Juliana there. Hey, Juliana. We've, we are also looking at some legislation to come into um, authorization, seeking permanent authorization to order home health services uh, for three out of four of the APRNs to align better with federal legislation that has recently been passed. Um, we're also looking at um, trying to pass something to help us start ordering disability placards. Can you believe it? We're still one of only two states in the country left that does not have this authority to do so. And then we're looking at a couple of other things, but I don't want to steal Juliana's thunder, so I will have her talk about that shortly. So, Dr. Nelson. And before we turn over to our amazing lobbyist, Juliana McConnell, I'd also like to introduce Michelle Ann McKenzie on behalf of Black Women Leaders in Nursing, who was one of our co sponsors for the updated eight. Michelle Ann, please, your remarks. 
Well, hi everyone, glad to join you um, tonight again for this update at eight. Uh, we're just here representing um, Black Women Leaders in Nursing. Uh, we just seek to empower the next generation of nursing leaders and just try to highlight the work that we're doing in our communities um, and with advocacy and policy. So just glad to be here, thanks. Phenomenal. And so I'd like to turn it over to Ms. Juliana McConnell. Juliana. Okay. Please thank take us off for the evening. Okay. Thank you so much. And I apologize. I was on with our licensed professional counselors. They were so excited with what we were doing that they decided they wanted to do the same thing. We did a little bit of it together last week, but uh, we, uh, they decided they're going to, they're going to go ahead and start a little earlier and then they will finish by eight. And we were having a few glitches in our uh, zoom call. So we had to, uh, so it ran over for just a few minutes. We were a little late getting started. And, um, but uh, uh, Dr. Clement did a great job of kind of sharing with you some of the focus that we're looking at. Uh, and uh, yeah, this week, this was, you know, we started the first, we had the first four days of the session. It always starts the second Monday. Uh, we had that the first uh, week before last, they went for uh, four days and they were out on Friday. And now last week, and I'm sorry we didn't, we, uh, that we missed our updated eight, but actually they weren't in session all week. So we uh, really would not have had a lot to report at that time because they were out what, what they called, they, they worked on their joint uh, appropriation meetings. And that's where the Senate and the House come together and they have budget presentations from um, from both the Senate and for both the Senate uh, Appropriations Committee and the House Appropriations Committee, and all the state departments come in and present their budgets to those joint committees. Now, if you remember, the governor, the budget process starts uh, with the governor preparing his budget, and now his budget is his uh, his. Uh, his staff, they work with every department in the state of Georgia and each department prepares their own budget. Uh, and it becomes the governor's budget because it's gotta be approved by the governor. And the governor then presents his budget to the full legislature. Okay, that's what they went over. That's what they reviewed with the senators and the representatives all last week. Okay, and so each department head will come in and they will talk about their budgets and uh, to present it to them for their review. Now, with the COVID situation, the, the, the legislature, and I just heard also, also from uh, the representative that was on the, the call before, and been hearing a lot you know, of rumors that, uh, and of course been told that with the COVID issue and the way they're dealing with it right now, it's really the legislature is going like day by day, not knowing uh, if, at any time that the, if the numbers, the, if the, uh, the numbers of positive tests for COVID with the legislators and the, and the capital staff, if it gets to a certain point and too high, then they, then they may have to just pause like they did last year and then come back at a later, uh, at a later month uh, to complete the, the rest of the session. So, but right now they on, they, they're looking at, they have it scheduled to go through uh, through tomorrow and then go next week, Monday through Thursday, and then come back the next week on Monday. And, and of course, again, that's all contingent upon 
how the numbers look. Um, now, so with the budget, the, the state government, the one thing they have to do, they don't have to really pass any other laws that they are mandated, they must pass a budget because the state of Georgia must operate, they must have a budget. Okay, there's two budgets that they're working on. The state legislator, the, the years go starting July 1 through June. Okay, that's where their budget runs. So we're now into the 2021 budget that ends June 30th. So right now they're looking at uh, what they're, they've really got to get approved, they said before they break, is the amended budget. That means for the six months of this year, it gives the department, it gives the state of Georgia, the Oliveira's departments, an opportunity to come to them with any changes they have. They may need more money here or less money there. So it gives them opportunity. It's sort of like you're adjusting your budget when you write a budget for 12 months, then this gives them an opportunity after six months to see areas where they need to adjust. So they must get that approved by the legislature. So that's what they're working on right now. It was approved today by the house. They're working on it really quick. I mean, I've never seen it work this fast. I mean, cause they, we've this, we only, had four days the first time, and now we're only into the, finish the third day. They've approved that, that that amended budget in the House today. It's already started in the Senate, and, and as soon as they finish it in the Senate and get it approved, then at least they're in a position where it, where they feel like they'll be where they need to be if they need to break. Okay, because they have the government taken care of through June uh, June thirtieth. So they have cautioned us to say any legislation that there's not going to be a lot of legislation right now that they're looking at at passing right now. Okay, now they we are still working to get legislation introduced because it can still be there if they come back, you know, uh, later in, in the summer. Or if we don't get it through this year, remember this year we're starting all over, so that bill would carry over to next year. So, but I had a great meeting with Representative Powell so I had a meeting with Representative Alan Powell. If you recall, he is, was our champion that carried our legislation for us last year and agreed to help us again this year. So I met with him yesterday. He basically told me the same thing. You know, he said, let's go ahead. So tomorrow I'm going to be meeting via, uh, via a Zoom call with, with one of the attorneys at the Capitol because you have to have legislative counsel draft your legislation. So I'm taking all these areas that we were talking about to put into one bill the ones that Dr. Uh, Clement just discussed with you. So, uh, so that we can at least get that drafted and get it dropped. Okay, so that it, at least it's there. And, um, but like I said, they have cautioned us that right now with the way things are looking, that we haven't really heard any more reports because they said, because of the HIPAA laws and all, they have to be careful, of course, they can't say who is, who's left, who, who has the COVID. But the legislator I was just talking to said, he's he's just looking around that they do have, he didn't count, he said probably 12 to 15 legislators that were not there in the last day or so, but it could be they had another reason, but there are a number of them that are not there right now. But they're looking, if you recall when Senator Miller told us when they get, they're looking at a certain level, if they had come out with a certain level of positives, then that will, that will be the point at which they will feel like that they will, because of safety reasons, have to adjourn at, at that point, uh, or take a recess and, and a pause, and then hopefully come back in, in like June. So um, that um, I have, uh, I have 
updating my tracking document. And I will keep that out uh, if somebody will work with me too to put that out on our on our webpage. And that's where I go in uh, legislation. We've had a lot of legislation introduced already. And I just pull the legislation that I think that would be of interest to you. Uh, uh, many of, most, most of it is healthcare related, but I do have some other issues in there. And um, so I will be uh, posting that just so you can kind of track it and see it's been introduced. And if it starts to move, I'll let you know on that too. But for right now, there's very few, even the committee meetings, they just finished assigning all of the members of the committees and the, and the chairs of the committees. So um, they, it took a much longer, if you recall at our last meeting, the Senate had already appointed their committee members. But remember there are 56 senators, 180 house members. So it took quite a long time for them to get all of the committee chairs and the, uh, as well as the uh, members of the committees appointed. Um, we did have a little interesting note where we actually had one legislator who this week refused to take, and I'm sure you probably all read that in the paper, he refused to take a COVID test. And uh, the uh, speaker and the leadership had passed a rule that every legislator must be tested every Monday morning and every Thursday morning. And then they would get the results of it on Monday not evening and Thursday evening. And uh, this particular legislator just totally refused. And um, after he, uh, I think, missed a couple of uh, day before yesterday, the the uh, he was actually escorted out of the chamber because he refused to leave and refused to have the test. Uh, he did not come back yesterday, but I understand that he finally did um, uh, end up take having a test, so, uh, and so he came back today. But that was a. Uh, just a little drama, I guess, going on there. But um, we, uh, and I, I went, was at the Capitol yesterday, but um, I really didn't go into the main part of the Capitol. They're really kind of encouraging us, to, you know, we, we need to be there if we, if we have to, we're supposed to reach out and make appointments with legislators if, if, to meet in their offices, which of course I did with Representative Powell. So, uh, but it is a real challenge even to get anything done. And that's even what our representative on the previous call said, it's even a challenge for them because even to be able to talk with each other and they're, and they're spread out in three locations and with masks. So it's, um, uh, this session is, uh, we'll try to get as much as we can, you know, accomplished, but, uh, and like I said, I'm working as hard as I can to get that legislation at least drafted and dropped. Uh, and it may be, I'm going to speak, I'm working with uh, Tim over at GNA on the, on the legislation for the, uh, the workforce uh, data uh, to make it, to have some way of having it mandated when you uh, apply for your license or to either renew your license or new license so that that we can uh, so that we can collect that workforce data, which is so desperately needed. And um, so I've I've met with uh, met with him, and we've also uh, talked with the PAs and the uh, Medical Association of Georgia about joining us on that. Uh, and it could be that it may that uh, that we may need to uh, go ahead and just add some of that language for nurses onto this bill if it. 
because they uh, they they did tell me they're going to be very very limited in the number of bills that will be considered very, and um, there are a few areas that the governor some of his key legislation like on the some tra sex trafficking bills uh, definitely working on the um, election reform uh, legislation that they are really pushing to get passed. But the leadership has kind of identified a few areas that they definitely want to work to try to get out the past, or at least uh, I know they'd like to get it passed before they, they break, but not knowing when that might happen, that, that might not be the situation either. So um, again, I uh, are there any questions right now uh, that you might have that at this point, And I'm gonna, um, Dr. Nelson, you, uh, do you wanna talk for a few minutes again? Uh, I can't hear you, you got your- I do, I do. And as I know that people's um, minds are whirling and twirling of all the different things that they would like to ask and they would like to know. And while they are gathering their thoughts, I would like to, uh, bring on Dr. Lisa Eichelberger. I first want to say good evening to our amazing uh, president-elect Ashley Blackman, who always has the best glasses with um, lipstick to match. I don't know how she does it so flawlessly, but Dr. Lisa Eichelberger, are you here? We have had an exciting couple of weeks with some extraordinary um, uh, uh, things that have occurred as we are flourishing with our outreach and in our striving to be able to unify and collaborate with other organizations and our leaders in DC. Dr. Eichelberger. Yes, yes. Um, I think most of you know that we um, had, as a result of the, our elections, we had quite a few changes uh, and people that we sent to Washington this time. And one of those was um, uh, Professor Carolyn Bordeaux, uh, who, be, uh, who won, um, beat a physician, uh, and uh, is now um, a representative uh, congressman and from the 7th District in North, uh, North uh, Atlanta area. And so in her first week in office, she reached out to 15 nurses uh, from Georgia. And Dr. Michelle Nelson and I were two of the, and there may be somebody else. Um, I'm not sure if anybody on the call tonight, there could be a couple of you that were uh, in that round table as well. Um, but she, uh, in her first week in office, reached out to nurses and asked what, what she could do uh, to represent nursing um, in this, this session of uh, Congress. So we were very pleased about that. And so one of the things that uh, we recommended to her is that we have an ongoing dialogue with her office about, um, about Georgia-centric issues uh, as well as national issues. And so um, we are in the process of coming up with a list of recommendations for her. And so um, I reached out, uh, Michelle and I did, we reached out to um, ANA, uh, the, the Academy of Nursing, 
and uh, AACN uh, to make sure that we were consistent with, with them as well. And, we, and on the call, we recommended a couple of things. Um, first of all, we, we knew that we wanted her to join the nursing caucus. Uh, for those of you that may not be aware, there is a, a nursing caucus. And we, unfortunately, with the exception of uh, David Scott and um, our dear friend, um, Congressman Lewis, John Lewis, um, have not had participation from on a consistent basis from our Georgia uh, congressmen and senators. And so we're hoping that um, our newly elected and maybe some of our old timers, um, longstanding, not they're not old, uh, uh, they will um, maybe see it a little bit differently. And, um, and so we're, we hope that she will become a very strong advocate and a member of the nursing caucus. Um, we also encouraged her, more, maternal mortality rate came up uh, on the call and we recommended that she work on uh, maternal mortality rate at the national level because we know that uh, what abysmal rates we have here in Georgia. And so we recommended that she work with uh, Congresswoman uh, Lauren Underwood because she already has existing legislation uh, focused on, on that at the national level. And, um, and so we heard back immediately from um, ANA and, um, and they said they were delighted uh, that we could be an, a go-between, a liaison uh, with her office because, um, you know, it was always better to have a constituent deliver your letter um, and your ask, uh, an, the national ask, than, than somebody from ANA do it. And so um, they uh, got back, they had not finalized their letter yet. Um, they now have finalized it and sent it to me this week. And so um, we're gonna uh, give that incorporated along with our, our list. And, um, and their things, the things that they're asking are very similar to the things that Michelle and I were compiling in our list. And that had to do with, um, and these are some of the things that ANA, I mean, the GNA, we had talked about with our COVID in our COVID uh, rapid response about um, uh, the mental health, the effect of COVID on the mental health of uh, the frontline workers and mental health during the COVID crisis now and afterwards. And also um, uh, the, one of the things we're gonna put in our ask is that she would, uh, uh, ask, put in legislation to ask for funding to look at, to research the impact on the nursing profession, what COVID is doing, because uh, we have no idea what the impact of COVID on the profession, the long-term effects, what's going to happen a year from now, two years from now uh, to the profession and, and the education, if, you know, if we have a mass exodus, how that's how we're going to recruit and retain people into the profession, um, the workforce development issue of it, so funding for that, um, and also um, uh, 
the public health ANA is talking about public health infrastructure. We have not addressed we have not addressed that in terms of Georgia. That's something that we haven't talked about that, but that is in the ANA um, letter, which I think is a is a wonderful thing. Um, and then also um, the um, benefits for nurses that died in the line of duty um, or were affected. Uh, and have long-term consequences of um, COVID and what it's done to them and their families, paid time off. There are some people, you know, we think of that, most of us are very fortunate in that we have paid time off, um, but uh, we want to make sure that all nurses um, are not having to use their paid time off because of suspected exposure or contraction of, of uh, uh, or being disenfranchised because of COVID. Um, and then they should get hazard pay um, for being a frontline health uh, care profession a provider during this time. Um, and uh, so those are just some of the things that, that we'll be working on and providing this information. And we wanna do it not only to um, uh, Representative Bordeaux, but also reach out to our two new senators. Um, so we're we're uh, trying to get a foray into to uh, the, our two new senators as well. So anything? What else would you like to add, Dr. Uh, Nelson? Uh, well, I'd like to acknowledge that our guest is on. I wonder. Representative Mary Margaret Oliver was so thrilled that you found us. Yes. And that you're here with us this evening. So there are a few more things to say. So Dr. Eichelberger, we'll double back to that because we want to hear from our guests. But thank you so much for the update, Dr. Eichelberger. Juliana, I'd like to turn it over to you so that you can introduce our featured guest for the evening. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, Representative Oliver, we're so excited and so honored you were able to take time to join us tonight. We're so excited and look forward to hearing from you. We, uh, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go into a long introduction because I Good. want you to introduce yourself to all of the nurses that are on here tonight, and it's also being recorded, so we'll have this available on our on our webpage, so that others that could not join us tonight can can also watch it. So I'm not like I said. I'm gonna let you do uh, all the introduction, but I do want to say. Congratulations! We are so excited on you being named as a as a uh, chair it, um, by the House uh, House Speaker, and she's going to be the the chair of the Martok Committee, and we are so excited about that. Congratulations! So Good I'm evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for this invitation. I'm delighted to be with you. I have a nursing school in my district, the 82nd uh, House District, Emory's Nursing School, very old and very. Uh, important institution. My healthcare constituent of memory is an $8 billion healthcare, uh, $8 billion constituent. So I try to stay in touch with many of the issues for many of the uh, healthcare issues that come around our campus. House District 82 goes from the Decatur Courthouse up Claremont Road to 85, I'm included in part, I represent parts of Brookhaven, Atlanta, Decatur and Shambly, and I live in the Emory area, uh, unincorporated DeKalb. I have been in politics a long time. I've been, I've had an unusual career. Uh, I came to the House first, and then I went to the Senate. Uh, I ran for statewide office. 
uh, lost, although I finished first in the primary. I always like to say that. I finished first in the Democratic primary and for a lieutenant governor and then lost in the runoff. I was out of politics for a, uh, a number of years and then came back to the House uh, and have been in the House since. Uh, Speaker Ralston's uh, generous appointment of me in the House as chairman of the was the first time a speaker of a majority party has ever appointed a member of the minority party. Um, healthcare obviously is at the front burner of our agenda this year for reasons I don't need to explain. And we are in a very nervous, very unusual, very atypical, uh, way out of the norm situation in the Capitol. I'm tested twice a week now. And um, I'm estimating, and I've been kind of checking with my colleagues, that of the 236 members of the General Assembly, 180 House members and 56 senators, that probably over a third have already been infected um, and suffered uh, several with ICU visits, but we've had no deaths of our 236 members, which um, we've been very fortunate. I think that the intense uh, testing, I consider it intense twice a week. And it of course made the national headlines this week when one of our members refused to be tested and was escorted off the floor by uh, security officers at the speaker's direction. Um, I have a, an opinion, this is a guess that they're monitoring the infection rate closely and making a decision about our future schedule. Um, I would say a third to a half of the people in these early committee meetings are appearing by Zoom and uh, there's a wide variety of attitudes about protection, but I'm very, I'm very pleased to see compliance. Joanna, do you agree compliance on the House side with mask is 100%. The only place I see people who aren't on mask is when we're in the ante room you know, which is coffee and a uh, place where we eat peanuts and stuff. So I think the compliance is good. Obviously the speaker's insisting on compliance with the testing. Jenny-Anna, do you agree that at least a third of the members have been in, have had COVID? From what I've heard, yes. Mm -hmm. and, do, you think, uh, do you think it's more than a third? Not, not from what I've heard, but I haven't uh, because of all of the like I know the the Hippolyls and all that we, we haven't heard any specifics, but um, uh, I will say too, command the house seems to be, in my opinion, taking a little better. I mean, your your social distancing and spreading out looks to be even uh, doing a better job than on on the other side. I think we did a much better job in June when the Senate wasn't even wearing masks, mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> so I I feel proud of. Uh, Speaker Ralston's leadership on this. Yeah. Um, and the lobbyists too, you know, are like, I, I'm just not, I'm not going, I'm, I have two computers and I'm watching you every day on my computer. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I went yesterday because I had an appointment with someone, but I'm just, you know, I don't think I'm staying away as much as I can for your sake as well as mine too. I think, you know, on, a, on an average day of the General Assembly, there are four to 5,000 people in the Capitol. And I think during this uh, era, 
there may be 500 in the capital. Of course, half of them are us, 236 of us, which is a large number of elected people. Um, I really miss um, the dynamic of being able to talk to people, which uh, it's really, uh, it's really, an, I count on being able to talk to people as I come in and out of the chamber, as I walk across the street, as I go in in my office. The advocacy community is, the, is typically a normal year there and talk to us as we're moving about. And we're missing, I'm missing, feel like I'm missing so much. If, a, if an advocate has to make an appointment by Zoom to talk to me, that's a real barrier. And that's what I do all day is meet with people on Zoom who otherwise would just uh, join me as we stroll around the Capitol looking for coffee. Uh, so it's a very unusual session and we're going to, pa we passed the supplemental budget, the mid-year budget adjustment today out of the house. It'll be close to the earliest time that the General Assembly will have passed uh, a supplemental budget. I think we'll not make the record by two or three days. And that shows me that they very much are planning on filling the coffers with the money we cut in June as fast as possible. And also getting that budget passed and signed by the governor to move money around before we possibly have to adjourn again or not suspend uh, for a number of days as we did last March 12. What worries me about the 2021 issue? Let me just throw out those two things and then I'll hush and you can ask me anything you'd like to about any issue. Um, I am worried about the budget. I do think that um, this infusion of a, you know over a billion dollars of CARES money to replace the $2 billion that we lost, that we cut in June is, a, is not, a, <laughs> it's not a given for very long. Um, we, and one of the, the questions, among the questions I've been asking as a senior member of the uh, Human Services Subcommittee of the Appropriations is how much money, CARES money did we get? Where have we spent it? And how much is the governor saving, keeping in the account uh, in the anticipation of further emergencies. He said he was withholding $465 million um, to supplement what might come yet next. And how do we rebuild the energy that we were having from a good economy when Governor Kemp came in to office? So I'm worried very much about the budget. I continue to be concerned about things that not adequately taxing Tobacco, that has been a no-brainer to me forever. There are 60 to 70 members of the House in that range who are co-sponsors of a added tax on tobacco, but that's not 91. And uh, Republican leadership every year, they want to say, this is the two things they want to say, we're number one in business in the nation, and we're never, we're never going to raise taxes. Um, the senator chair of the Appropriations Committee says he regards tobacco uh, in, in increasing the tax on tobacco as a user fee. So maybe that's uh, a way for us to make a little progress on that issue. The second issue I'm worried about that isn't really directly in your wheelhouse, but I find people very concerned about it is another round of election um, modifications, this time to restrict absentee ballots and restrict um, 
in a number of different ways, access to the polls. Under Republican leadership, there'd been a dramatic expansion of options to vote, expansion of early voting. This is all under Republican leadership, expansion of absentee ballots, what we call the no excuse absentee ballots, and um, encouragement of absentee ballots by most of the Republican leaders, not all, obviously. Uh, now they want to cut back on that. And that, that's going to be a very, very painful, very partisan, very unhappy political event. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. I've been in the middle of the election debates for years on Government Affairs Committee, and I'm not looking forward to another round of uh, un, uh, unproductive partisan debates about voter suppression versus voter uh, restrictions. So. Let me just hush and see if there's anything you would like to talk about. And Juliana, what do you particularly would like me to address this session? I've got a bunch of bills I've pre-filed. I'm working on a number of different things, but what are you interested in? Uh, well, we were talking earlier, we, we, uh, we really appreciate your support last year too on our House, our Senate Bill 321 Mm -hmm. that removed the restrictions, the uh, radiographic ordering by APRNs. That was that was a, a major accomplishment for, for our APRNs. And to have it, um, when we gained the support of the speaker early on and, and went and visited with him with some of his constituents and, and con convinced him and mm -hmm. uh, of the importance of that and for it to also pass with only 14 no votes. I mean, that was huge for us. It's strong, it's strong. And only five in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So we, we feel like hopefully we are making some headway in educating our legislators as to the need for removing some of these barriers on our advanced practice nurses. That, that is for, for the people of Georgia out there. So it gives them better access. Uh, uh, less costly access because when you always have add that level of having to get the physician to sign off on everything that they do when they're trained and educated to do it. It felt like a no-brainer to me and I will tell you that um, <clears throat> that strong vote is very significant. The um, there's a lot of, of discussions on the periphery and, and among leadership about reorganization of public health. There's a lot of discussion about public health. The news is portraying us as being unsupportive financially to public health. Um, but the reality is that there's a, a strong interest in bolstering public health, which is going to bring advanced practice nurses into a discussion very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, Rural, rural areas are uh, really in need of advanced practice nurses. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to build a hospital in rural every rural county. We've got to have, we've got to have people that can help people get to where they need to get. And uh, nurses, advanced practice nurses, and allied health are going to be part of that. Well, and it's such a shame that we were the last state in the nation to remove that barrier. The last state. Now that's well, that's embarrassing. No, it is. And uh, and right now we have we do have a bill that is we call more low hanging fruit that we're in the process of working with Representative Bob. Alan Powell has become a, a, a real champion, which he didn't. He knew nothing. He said about nursing when we asked him to carry this, and he said, "Why do you want me to carry it?" And I said, "Well, the speaker." asked me to ask you and he said well give me the bill <laughs> and now he said i've learned more about nursing and has 
and he's really working very hard for us. So, but but this bill number one would uh, APRNs do not have a license in the state of Georgia. Okay, they once they become they have an RN license, but once they meet all of the criteria, the, the education, the experience, and all uh, to become an APRN, they when they go to the board of nursing, they get an authorization for an APRN, but not a license. And we're only one of 12 states in the nation that doesn't uh, uh, provide a license for APRNs. There are like 38 states that, so we're asking to to now uh, to, uh, to make to make it a license for APRNs. And you have other healthcare providers have license. I'm happy to help you with that. You know, Alan Powell is a character, as you know, <clears throat> um, but he, he likes to work on stuff. He works on stuff all the time, and he's very dutiful. He learns stuff. I don't agree with him much on many political issues, but he's- I have a, um, a fundamental question. And I'd love to hear your perspective as a seasoned legislator. What is it going to take for us to be able to get across to our elected officials that nurses at their very core exist to care? What is it going to take for us to, to say, please put Georgians first and let us do our jobs? What will it take? What do we need to say? What do we need to do? Do we need different colored signs? I'm willing to try anything. I was pretty interested today that Terry Coleman, Terry England in presenting the uh, budget, he's chair of appropriations uh, ended uh, his comments with a discussion of the medical personnel that's helping all our families. With so many sick and so many having friends, family members dying, uh, these members of the General Assembly are spending a lot more time than they ever thought they would in 2020 and 2021 in the hospital corridors. Uh, Bill English, uh, you know, lovely, his son is still on the edge right now. Uh, having been at ICU for a bunch of days, uh, you know, a young man. Um, so I think you are already in doing the job, communicating communicating your value. I don't think uh, there's anything in relation to how you serve that you could do differently. In terms of political advocacy, uh, it's always fascinating to me how many people who call me or want something uh, want me to take a position, do not know who their state rep and their state senator is. Um, a, on a normal year, a relatively small percentage of the people who reach me and take ask me to take um, a position, ABC, um, are not my are not a, a voting person in my district. By far, most of the communication I have. Uh, comes from paid lobbyists or paid advocates and do not come from real live constituents. You, you don't, I don't think you understand the power of saying I'm a constituent of yours, I voted so-and-so precinct. It's a very, very powerful thing to say to somebody at my level. Those of us that have gone door to door to thousands of houses in the 98 degree temperature, we know those streets um, we know folks, we do a lot to try to engage our constituents in politics and relatively few of the people um, 
that I that I see in my public grocery store on Decatur Square, where I practice law for 30 years, know that I'm a state rep or know that who their rep is. You you are advocates because you're on this call tonight. But if any of you don't know who your rep is and who your senator is, please don't tell me because it would be very upsetting. You don't use the power of your personal uh, vote to some individuals sufficiently strongly enough in my view. Well, Representative Oliver, we're gonna feed them to your dog this evening if they <laughs> open their mouths and say such a thing. And can I say to you, we are doing our level best. It is like our battle cry every single week when we tell individuals to go to the brand new website. And I know that Juliana is gonna end this evening with that battle cry again, that you must know who your state reps are. 